His amazing grace. I remember, I don't remember who said this. Uh, of course, I heard Chuck Swindoll say one time, it's all fair and love warm preaching. So sometimes you can't remember where it came from. But he said, there are three great mysteries that we will experience in heaven. The first is we'll see some people there and we'll say, why are they there? I didn't think they'd be there. And then we'll say, why isn't that person there? It's the second mystery. I just knew he or she would be there. And the third and greatest mystery of all, God, I, I didn't know if I'd be here. But we will be there by the hope of Jesus Christ and His amazing grace. It is not about what we have done or what we will do. It's about Him. And we worship today Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who exemplifies grace. This morning, we are going to talk about, I've called it a plea for purity, living for the one who died for us. And we're going to look in Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 7 this morning as we look at a, a subject that should be near the heart of the child of God. So I encourage you to turn there with, uh, to Ephesians 5 as I want to read uh, the text aloud, 5, 1 through 7, and I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read the text. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. But rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Let's pray. Okay, God. We need to hear from You today, Lord. Thank You for giving us an opportunity to sing to You, to offer prayers to You, to give to You financially. And Father, we just pray that You will speak to our hearts, Lord. We live in a world that is parched, that needs a drink of the living water. And Father, we too need to be renewed each day by the wonderful grace of God. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would clearly work here and that we would hear a message, Father, that was from You, not me. And Father, that You'd be honored and glorified, Lord. We love You and we just ask for You to speak. In Your name we pray. Amen. Paul starts out in his plea and he says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. He says, Be like God. Model God. Uh, years ago, when I was a teenager in my home church, they had a 
Korean evangelist come. He was a good speaker, but his English was somewhat stiff and broken. And I don't remember his message, but I remember how he started his message. He said, I come here from Korea. I learn English. He said, I try to speak, but it's hard. He said, I heard person tell me, you model preacher. He said, I got excited till I pick up dictionary and look up model. Model say, small imitation of real thing. <laughs> and I've remembered that through the years. And I suppose in a very real sense, as, as, as the Scripture says here, be imitators of God, be models of God. It, truly, in a sense, we're all humbled because we understand that you know, I'm really a small imitation of the real thing. God is the real thing. And yet He empowers and fills us who are His kids for His glory and for His honor. And it's interesting here as you look at this plea of what we're to look like, what's to model our lives. He says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, His kids. And He says, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There are two commands there. First, he says, a life of love. We are to be a people that are marked by love. A people that care about God and care about each other. That are connected and interconnected because we're aware of God's grace. And, and, and there's a love that's evident. And it's His love. And then secondly, we're to be a, a fragrance to God. Our lives are to be a sweet aroma to Him and not a stench. May I not... May my life not be a bad odor to my master. And that's the call. <laughs> the call, guys, to live a life of love so that your life is like a sweet fragrance unto the master, God himself. Recently saw Beauty and the Beast at the barter and uh, one of my favorite stories. And the second time I've done it fairly recently. And I just love the story and I thought about the gospel. I thought about redemption as I thought of the story. Here's this beast that was once a prince, that once was royal, and by image standards, he had it all together, except for a, a heart that was cruel and calloused and was critical. And so this spell was cast on him and he took upon, he, he, he looked like a beast. He took upon himself the image of a beast. And the spell ended up being broken by Belle, this beautiful young lady who not only he had to fall in love with, she had to fall in love with him. But when she looked at him, she didn't just see this ugly, hideous beast. She saw underneath that. And she saw within him a kind heart. Someone that was caring. And, you know, we have this ugly part of us, this sin that we struggle with, this sinful nature, but there is the image of God in which we were all created. We have to be set free. Bell came back hoping to, to rescue him as the townspeople were coming after him, as they saw him as this, this person who was going to hurt them and kill them and destroy them and was filled with evil. And yet as she came back, it was in his sacrifice because he had been willing to let her go back to her dad. Uh, she had she had desired to see her dad and he was going to give up everything because the spell could not be broken if she didn't fall in love with him and if she wasn't there, how's she going to fall in love with him? 
But as we know how that story ends, <laughs> that he was changed, that he was transformed because of the power of love. He was made new. We too are changed. We're transformed by the power of the love of Jesus Christ who gave Himself as a fragrant offering at the cross. Who demonstrated self-sacrifice. And that's what love is about. It's about self-sacrifice. It's about not just always giving me the attention, but being one who is willing to be a conduit of giving attention to others. And, and that's self-sacrifice. That's love. And that's what was shown at Calvary. And that's what we're to be like. That's what we're to model. And yet, the truth of the matter is, this struggle that we fight against an old way of life, an old nature, is very real. And Paul tells us here, that's not to control you. But instead, you're to be controlled by the Spirit of God, who has changed you and made you a new person. Um, Too often, we fall back into the old ways as kids. It's like the little boy who... His mom told him to stay away from the cookie jar. He couldn't have any cookies. But she found him with his hand in the cookie jar with cookie crumbs on his face. And she said, I thought I told you clearly to stay away from the cookie jar to not get in those cookies. He said, but you, you didn't tell me I couldn't smell them. So I opened the cookie jar and took a good whiff. And before I knew it, my hand was in the cookie jar. And suddenly... There were cookies on my teeth and my teeth just wouldn't let go. The temptation was just too strong. And, and God wants to and just stay away from the cookie jar. Just too much. And so here we're going to look at some cookie jar uh, problems here. <laughs> he starts out in verse 3. He says, Among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. He starts out, he talks about even a hint of sexual immorality. He says, your life should be marked by respect for God's design. Sexual intimacy is meant for the design God created marriage. Between a man and a woman who come together to form a family. Anything outside of that, any, anything that is pursued apart from that, that's not to mark your life. There shouldn't even be a hint of that in your life. That, that should not be you. And then he goes home, or he says, or of any kind of impurity. He says, I want you to be set apart. I want you to, to live a holy life. And of course, everything that's around us, that, that's not the message that's not the example. We're told to pursue anything that looks good, that feels good for the moment and miss God's best. And, but that's not God's heart. He says, don't do that. Or He says, of greed. This idea of always, I have to have more. I always have to experience more. I'm not happy with what I have. Be content with what you have. It doesn't mean that, it, that it's wrong necessarily to want more. But be content with what you have. May your life not be because you have to have more. To be, to be happy. Uh, that, that's, that's not the heart. That, he says, don't do that. And he goes on here, he says, that's improper. 
And then he says there shouldn't be obscenity. There shouldn't be profanity. And what is profanity except it is a desecration of what is pure. He says don't let your words be marked by that. By obscenity, by vile words. Don't let that be a a normal part of your vocabulary. Or foolish talk, coarse joking. Silly, empty words that hurt people. You know, don't put your mouth in gear and your brain in neutral. That always leads to trouble. I think of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. And it it talks about, it says, um, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Be careful about speaking without thinking. It can get you into all kinds of trouble. And coarse joking, I don't know what it is. Guys, I have to admit him within me something that's that's vile and wrong and you know, I find myself chuckling. Praise God he's given me a a, a wife that says, Stop it. You're getting out, you know, don't what are you doing? Because there's that part even within me. I know it's 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 wrong and but but he says here, don't let that be where you go with your heart, with your mind, with your mouth. Be above that. That's his, that's his plea here. And he says, instead, may you be marked by thanksgiving. He says, rather, thanksgiving. Be thankful for God's design. It's meant to protect you. Be thankful for God's design because it shows people that you are changed, that you are new, and that this is not your home, that you're headed to another place, which is why we're here. To carry that message with our lives as well as our words. And he says, let your life speak that. Whether you use words or not, let your life speak that way. You see, when our lives speak of this sexual immorality and impurity and greed and uh, coarse joking, obscenity, foolish talk, as we pursue that, there comes less and less resistance to not pursuing it as we give attention to the sinful nature, we head that direction. You know, the easiest path is downhill. And we can go downhill. And God wants us to build our spiritual strength by resisting in the power of the Spirit. Secondly, not only along with that, it promotes to others that warped view. And we're not to be ambassadors of a warped view, but of a redeemed view. He's redeemed us. That He has changed us. And third, along with that, and this scares me in our age and in our culture, I honestly believe that within our culture, many are learning how to never be intimate with another person. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm afraid with this idea of just do anything you want. Enjoy a person physically. Live with them. Test them out. Uh, I was telling somebody earlier today, sometimes it looks to me, some people, they enter a relationship like buying a car. I'll drive around the block a few times and see how it performs and if this is what I want. But in that, in that pursuit, we miss a sense of commitment to one another. I remember years ago talking to a dear young couple that um, I just came to them. I said, guys, I said, uh, I looked at her and I said, do you think He loves you? And she goes, yeah. I said, oh, I don't. She goes, what? I said, well, honestly, I think 
if he loved you, he would be committed enough to you to ask for your hand in marriage. But see, our culture, it frightens me. It's like we've lost that. We've lost that sense of oneness. We've lost the sense of a marital covenant and a marital bond. Of coming together and forming a real family. We've, we've lost that sense and, and, and covenant. As I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that's God with us. He's true to us and at the moment we come into covenant with Him, He's, He's faithful and, and, and He wants our hearts to be faithful to Him. And that's what purity is about. And, and guys, he, does, he wants us to change us. He wants to change us. Um, I remember when I was young, going with my dad, uh, we'd go to, he went to the army reunion every year. That was our big trip in Oklahoma, the middle of the country. And we would meet the 202nd battalion that he served in. And his army buddies, and a lot of them would get drunk. And uh, I remember just asking him one day, I said, Dad, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're not out there getting smashed with everybody else. But I said, why? He said, well, son, I want to remember the fun I had the night before. And I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense. Let's have a good time and remember it. Pretty good thinking. A changed life doesn't have to drown out the fun, but to remember the fun. Uh, the story of St. Augustine that's told uh, where... He'd given his heart to Christ, but he really struggled with the old way of life. And he had several ladies that he was used to spending time with. And he was with one of these ladies, and they were actually at the park. And God said, get up, just as clear as day. I want you to walk over here. And he walked by, and there was a... There's actually a Bible on the table. And he says, pick it up and read. So he picked it up and he opened it up to these verses in Romans 13, 13, 14. He says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He read that and he thought, that's what I've been, I've been living in the night. I want to live in the day. This is from the message, the paraphrase. Make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off. Oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering, grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't loiter and linger waiting until the last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. That's the... Guys, that's the plea. That's the urge. That's that's speaking about purity. Be dressed in Christ. Show Him to a world that's lost and hurting instead of being like the world. That's the call. We've been given a new nature and we're to follow that nature. Uh, J. Vernon McGee used to tell a story in his church years ago of a lady in the South who married her childhood sweetheart, and they did everything together. They were deeply in love. 
And when he died, she missed him so terribly, she decided, well, I'll just keep him around. And so she uh, had his body uh, uh, taken care of the, so, that it would, uh, so that it would keep. She took him, put him in a chair, put a glass, glass case around him and set his body uh, sitting at the front door so that when you came in, you saw John. Old John was there. And of course, the people that knew her kind of got used to seeing old John because it was just kind of common. There's old John sitting at the door. And this went on for about a year. And she decided, you know, I'm going on vacation. So she went over to Europe. and She met some men over there. I mean, it was a whirlwind romance. They fell in love. She was so happy. They got married and they decided they were going to come back and live in that house. So he came back and he was so excited. He picked up his bride to carry her over the threshold. He opened that door and there sat old John sitting in that chair. And he almost dropped her. Knees wobbling. He says, who is that? And she said, well, that's my old man, John. He goes, well, we, he doesn't need to be here anymore. So uh, McGee said, you know, just went out in the backyard, dug a big hole, glass case and all, and put it in there. And took care of it. Listen, the Bible says, we're to bury that old way alive. Not to keep it in the forefront where everybody can see. But instead, we're new. New relationship. <laughs> new hearts. New people. That's who God's made us and that's who we're to be. Living by His glorious grace. I want to close with a story that I think is critical to this idea of living by grace. Because too often we make it into a list of rules that we have to keep in order to be holy and to be set apart. But I think what is far more powerful than keeping a list of rules is thinking about what grace is, guys. And it's expressed well in a story I heard about two guys named Paul and William. Paul had trouble with profanity. He just used to blurting out a bunch of words you don't need to be blurting out all the time. And so he and William got together. He came up with this plan. He said, well, you know, the best way to, to stop this thing is uh, I'm just going to give money to church, $5 for every cuss word I say during the week. He thought, man, that'll help me. So first week he came in there, he had to give $100. You know, 20 times it just came out. He started doing a little bit better in the next few weeks, but he was still very disappointed. He thought... Paul thought, I should be doing a lot better than this. And William said, man, you need to understand grace. That'll help you. He said, so I, I think next week I'm going to do something that will be easier and it will be harder. He goes, what? So the next week at church rolled around. William came in. He writes a blank check. He signs it. And he says, okay, you fill in the amount that you need to to pay for this past week's transgressions there. So he, he wrote a check for 65 bucks. Next week they came to church, same thing, blank check. You fill it in. This time it was 
$30. And then the next week, nothing. What had happened? Paul and William, they were like brothers. And when Paul saw what it was costing his friend William, he couldn't bear to do it. Every time it started to control him, he thought about what it cost his friend. And he stopped. Now, guys, in a much more powerful way, think about what it cost Jesus. When you face temptation that wants to control you, that wants to seize your actions and your attitudes in your heart, stop and think what it cost Jesus. It cost Him the cross. It cost Him everything. And we need to have that heart and that mindset that understands purity is not just so that we look good. It's so that He looks good. And it happens as we remember what He did for us. What it cost Him. Uh, Matter of fact, at the end of the example, there were these words. Someone said, grace is something that costs the one who receives it nothing, but costs the one who gives it everything. When you really begin to grasp the grace and love of God, you can't help but to want to give your life to Him. He says, I'm very well aware of my past and I'm overwhelmed with the love, mercy, and acceptance He's shown me. It's there for you as well. Receive it. Let's pray. Lord, uh, here we are, Father. We are certainly not strangers to an old way of life. We confess we're far too familiar with it, Lord. And sometimes, Father, we forget what it costs You. We forget Your love and the vastness of it. As Sharon sang this morning about Your amazing grace. We, Father, we get so caught up in our own agendas and, and we forget, Lord, that we're here for You. And, Father, I just pray that You grab a hold of our hearts this morning. Maybe one is here who has heard about You but never really thought about sin in the context of something that you had to pay for in full. Something that could only be handled on a terrible cross. Something that was handled for me. And I pray, Father, that you speak to any heart, Lord, that has thought about, I need Jesus, but not thought about how bad they need Jesus. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to hope only way to forgiveness. Father, I pray that there's one here, Father, who needs to make that decision for Christ, who needs to place full faith and confidence in the work of Jesus that now's the time that now that person would say, enter my heart, forgive me, make me new. Father, for those of us who are already His kids, Your kids, Lord, get a hold of us. We are here to model you. We are here to speak a message, whether it's with words or not, that changed us and tells others changes there. It's all about you, your grace. Someone has said grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's true. Pray, Father, that you'd grab a hold of those of us who have already received that grace, that we may walk in it, 
as we received it. That others may turn to Jesus. Father, just help us, Lord, to follow you. Father, we need you. Lord, I don't know how you may be working in other situations. Uh, There's always stuff going on in our lives. Thank you for an altar we can come pray at. Thank you for an opportunity to do business with you and to have your people gathered, Lord, that we may share what you're up to. And in this time we call invitation or response. May we respond to you, Lord. Father, have your way in this time, Lord. May your spirit move among us. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand.